Father, we come before you to worship and to give thanks for life. We want to leave this place changed. Change us from a fearful to to a believing people. Your word has power to heal us and to make whole a broken world. May our worship and our lives be pleasing in your sight. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. The word of the Lord. A reading from the second letter of Paul to Timothy. Brothers and sisters, join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like a sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus and replied, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, Behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am very well pleased. Listen to him. 
When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to begin by welcoming in a very special way Samuel Adler Ortiz. Uh, He will make his first Holy Communion this morning. So I would like to welcome you, Samuel, and also his mom and dad and other family members. I once read a story, uh, this happened, I think, in France uh, many years ago. There was a priest who was walking one late evening home. It was cold, so uh, he walked kind of fast, and then uh, he was almost home, and uh, all of a sudden this man jumped him and uh, demanded his wallet. So he grabbed him under the neck and pushed him against the wall. And uh, when he did that, he m- removed a scarf that was covering his, uh, his throat and saw that he was dressed as a priest. So he was kind of shocked and uh, uh, said, I'm sorry, Father, I didn't know you were a priest. So the, he, didn't, he didn't mug him, but the priest uh, wanted to make the situation, you know, at least to some extent, okay or pleasant. So he said, uh, yeah, I'm not going to give you my wallet, but can I offer you a cigarette? And the, the mugger looked at him and he said, oh, no, Father, thank you. I gave up smoking for Lent. <laughs> so... It was his priestly clothes that revealed the man's identity. Of course, today we heard that it was God, Jesus' heavenly Father, who reveals his identity. Of course, the, uh, the apostles knew or believed at that point, at least to some extent, who Jesus was, that he was the Son of God. But they saw him in a different way on that mountain. Jesus was transfigured before them, and so much so they were even scared when they saw God standing in front of them in his glory very important moment in their lives because just a few days later or a few weeks later, they saw the same person crucified on the cross. So it, they needed it for their, for their faith, for their, for their conviction that what Jesus was going to do was extremely important, extremely valuable and life-giving. So we see, of course, that the apostles are following Jesus. He was the one who led them up the mountain. They followed, just as, of course, many times before. And then He showed himself to them who he really was. And, of course, we heard that there was a voice that came down from heaven. First there was a cloud that covered them, and then the voice that came and said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. I'm very well pleased with him. Everything, of course, Jesus did was pleasing in God's sight. So, again, we can take so many things from that that story that they hoped, the apostles hoped, that they they would see Jesus the, the, the way that he, he truly was, that they would understand the way that he wanted them to live, that they would accept that way as their own way of life. Abraham hoped that his, he would become a great nation. Paul hoped that Timothy and his community would be willing to endure hardships for the gospel. So hope, of course, is really prevalent in the scripture readings today. Abraham hoped, although he's called Abraham originally, God reaches out to him and says, when he is 75 years old, take your whole family, 
take it and move from this prosperous land to even more prosperous land. I will make you a great nation. Trust me. So God had hopes for Abraham, but he had to respond by trusting God, not asking, well, if you provide me a, a, a proof, I will go. No, he, without any evidence, so to say, he packed up and went. And it really, it worked out for him because he had trust and love for God. Now we know that Abraham himself had to go through certain transformation, transfiguration of his own life, of his own personhood. Because we know that when we read the Bible, that sometimes Abraham was impatient with God. Sometimes we know that he was not the most honest man either. When two, two stronger rulers were attacking his family, he said that Sarah, his wife, was his sister. And he said, if you want to take her, take her. So I don't know how she lived with him after that, but <laughs> certainly he himself had to transform, transfigure his own attitudes and behaviors, how he lived his own life. And he hoped that he would become a great nation, and it happened because of the transformation of who he became, how he matured, even though he was late in, in late stages of his life. It was not late for him, and it's not, never late for any of us to go through own personal transfiguration and transformations. Then St. Paul, as I said, said to Timothy and his friends, his community, don't be afraid to stand up for the hardship or stand up for the gospel that will bring with, with, them, with itself some hardships, some persecution. He said, remember, through the gospel, through the good news, God gives immortality to those who follow those words. Again, very helpful message for us. Again, we see in the Gospel reading that Jesus is the one who leads up the apostles up the mountains, and mountains in the Bible are places of revelation, of clarity, of seeing things much, much better, seeing a bigger picture, better perspective. So mountains are not places where we live. Mountains are places where we go to gain a better perspective on life, on faith, religion. So hopefully when we come here to this church, God doesn't say to us that you, we need to live here. We come here, and it should be a mountaintop experience. And then, as we heard in the Gospel reading, Peter said, Lord, if you want, I will be three build three tents. Why? Because it was peaceful there. The apostles were with Jesus by themselves. There were no people asking them, please do this for us. Please do that for us. I need help. Hear, hear my friend, hear my daughter or son. So they were there, there was peace, there was quiet. So Peter naturally wanted to say to Jesus, let's stay here. But Jesus said, no, we must go down to the valley. That's where people need us. That's where our work must be done, our ministry must be done. And sure enough, when they came down from the mountain, there was a father waiting for Jesus, whose son was seriously ill, and Jesus cured him. So Jesus told the apostles, no, we must go down to the valley. The message is the same for us. After we come here to experience Christ, to, to be touched by his words, to be, to be nourished by the Eucharist, by his body and blood, we must go down to the valley, happy valley. <laughs> and we must make it happy valley. And we do it how? By the way we live. By the way we, by the way we transform our mountaintop experience, our church experience, liturgical experience, into the way we conduct ourselves. There is a story of a man, he was in Denmark, and he saw that the king himself was horseback riding 
all by himself, so he was surprised. And he asked one of the local citizens, doesn't your king use bodyguards? And the person looked at him and with great pride said, we are all his bodyguards. Jesus wants us to, to live in such way that we can say with all honesty, we are all Jesus' ministers. We are all his friends, all his workers. We must come down to the valley and translate, transform, translate what happens here to us, how we are nourished, how we are changed, at least to some extent, into the way we live. So, again, how will we be different because of this mountain town experience? Tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, every day. That's why God invites us to here, to come here frequently, so we can experience that, that transformation, not transformation of Jesus or transfiguration. We know that it happened, but our own. There is a true story of a British missionary who served many years in Central Africa, and he said that one of the best offertory gifts he ever received was from a young woman who had been baptized very recently. So he said that at Mass, there was a collection basket or plate that was passed through the, the, the pews. So this young woman, she had no money. So, so when the plate came to her, she took it, stood, out, stood up, put it in the center aisle, and stood on top of it. Because what she did, she wanted to, to offer not her money, she had none, but her own life, her ministry, whatever was inside of her. It was the best gift that he ever received, as he said himself. So again, we are all Jesus' ministers. We are all in, in this together, so to say. So as we continue with this celebration, let us, let us think about, you know, when we hear that voice, that voice that is calling us to experience mountains, to have that experience of Jesus being transfigured, and therefore experience our own transfiguration, transformations, what, what will happen to us afterwards? How will our lives be changed? Let us remember, there is that dark cloud that sometimes hangs over us, over our world, our society, but there is also that voice, rise, do not be afraid. Will people hear that voice being spoken by us? A couple more announcements. Uh, our diocesan Catholic Ministries Drive campaign start, started. Uh, Together we serve as a campaign slogan. So it launches throughout our diocese this weekend. I know I received our envelope already, and uh, hopefully you received yours. This uh, ministry supports 14 ministries throughout our diocese. And so the bishop is asking you to uh, look at his invitation, uh, return your pledge card, either in mail or, or in next weekend's offering. The money that we receive above our, our annual assessment or need will come back to the parish 100%. So there's one ministry coming from our diocese that they need our help financially, or actually it's our money comes back to us as far as part of our diocese. One other announcement I'd like to make is uh, we talk about the diocesan ministry and Father in his homily it, uh, talked about the lady who came out and put herself on a collection plate and offered herself up as a minister. And that's what I want to talk to you all about this morning is liturgical ministries here at our masses on, on the weekends. Uh, Father Joseph and I talked and we're trying to get back to some sense of normalcy. We're hoping to get back to three masses which means we'll need ministers at all three masses. If you're musically inclined, please ask and join the choirs. That uh, We're always blessed here at Good Shepherd having great choirs lead us in song and prayer. 
The other ones I want to talk to you about are the ones we see normally every, every weekend. The first one is our hospitality ministries. Without them, it's kind of hard to get in here without a song sheet. So they're always in need for that. And usually it's family-oriented. It doesn't have to be family-oriented. It could be couples, individuals. And uh, so I ask you to think about hospitality ministry as, as one service. The other are uh, Crossbearer, who leads our processions in and out. The other is Eucharistic ministers, altar servers, and readers. I'll address the altar servers first. In the past, we've had families doing altar serving, and Father and I talked about it. The only ministry children can really do at Mass is being an altar server. So we like to go back to having children being our altar servers from fourth grade and up. So we're encouraging our students through our religious ed to fully commit to being participatory in Mass by being a server. It's not all that hard. And we don't yell at them if they make a mistake. <laughs> because nobody yells at us when we make our mistakes. <laughs> the other two are really important. is Eucharistic ministers and readers. Let me go with the readers first. We always had one reader at Mass. What Father I like to do is to go have two readers, which is a normal throughout the diocese and throughout our church. So we'd like to have two readers and one commentator. Before Mass, you heard an introduction welcoming you here, and Father would like to have that person become our commentator. The commentator would do the intro, would do the announcements at the end, and if the deacon's not here, would also do the petitions. Three readers for each Mass. The other ones are Eucharistic ministers. We're hearing rumors that the cup of precious blood is coming back soon, so we need to ramp that up. So there's training and retraining. All current ministers, all those who are interested in becoming ministers, we ask you to sign up on, a, on the tables out there. There are sign-up sheets. There will be training and retraining for everybody. So what are the requirements? especially for lectors and for Eucharistic ministers. We'd like everybody to be a registered person of Good Shepherd Church. If you're here and want to do ministry, we feel you should be a registered member of our parish. Simple as that. You've got to be a Catholic in good standing. So what does that mean? So if you're an adult, you should have had your three sacraments of initiation, baptism, First Holy Communion, and confirmation as an adult. If you're an adult, you're saying, I'm fully initiating into the Catholic Church. That is our confirmation. And if we're married, we should be, have a valid marriage in the church. And what does that mean? Two scenarios. Young couples today have a tendency of wanting to get married on the beach, wherever. Outside the church, that's where we're going. Themed weddings. Well, I'd like to have people say, this is our themed wedding here. So if you are a couple who's been married outside of the church, you do not have a valid marriage for the Catholic Church. It's simple to take care of that. It's called convalidation. A lot of people use the word blessed marriage. One year, some of you may remember, usually our baptisms, they're taking place after the homily. One year I asked a couple who were having their marriage convalidated if they would do their vows during Mass. They agreed. So after the homily, they came up here, and they married here in front of our congregation. So simple thing for that, come talk to Father and myself. We'll work up the paperwork, have you go through some marriage prep. already been married, so marriage prep into Catholic Church, and then have you do your wedding vows here. 
or wherever you would like in church. The second part is a little bit more sticky. It's called people who have been married, divorced, and then remarried without an annulment. Every situation is unique. So if you've been in a situation where you've been married, divorced, remarried, without an annulment, we ask you to come talk to us. We'd like to walk you through that process and then have your marriage, your current marriage, validated back in the church. So we'd like to have people who are going to be ministers, who are good standing in the church, registered at Good Shepherd, and have their sacraments also. Can't be a Christian Catholic if you don't have a good standing in the church to serve. You can serve people, but we're serving people in our church. So like the lady that Father talked about, it's big and bold to say, okay, I'm going to serve. I need to serve. Some parents may center, well, we'd like to have family ministry. I'd like to serve with my son or daughter. Simple. You don't have to be an altar server. Your son and daughter can be the altar server. You can become a reader or a Eucharistic minister. So now you can still serve as a family. So I ask you to sign up both ministers, current ministers who you're signing up and doing ministries, and new people interested. We are going to have training for everybody. We have a new database software package that we need to enter people in so we can try to start registering uh, uh, coming up with a package of uh, assignments and all that. We're going to get rid of Sign Up Genius. It's worked. Sort of worked. Well, really didn't work. <laughs> because Thursday, the staff sends a slip email out, we need help. So that process helped us during the pandemic, but it's not working now. We really need to know who's going to be here on Saturdays and Sundays so we can have a full active ministry mass. So I thank you for that. Thanks for listening to this week's service. To stay up to date on the latest news involving our parish, please visit our website at goodshepherd-sc.org.